Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Keeping ourselves healthy, we know about eating right and keeping active, but there's another thing we should keep an eye on as well, air quality. It's not just smog we're talking about, it's also things like wildfires and pollen that affect the air we breathe. Today's guest started his business because he was looking for a new place to live with his wife who has asthma. They were looking for a city where air quality wouldn't have as big of an impact on her health, but found the data to help make that decision was hard to come by. Rand Corber founded Breezometer, a company that helps fill in gaps in existing air quality monitoring, and he joins us along with Paul Walsh to discuss what goes into air quality monitoring and some of the ways this data is used, and it might surprise you. Thank you both for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Thank you, Marshall. Thank you, Marshall. So, you know, this is really interesting because, um, you know, we had we had a colleague on earlier uh, in the year and we were talking about asthma from a different perspective. And, you know, even in some of the research I've done with a colleague at the University of Georgia, we were looking at something called thunderstorm asthma. And so this is something that has piqued my interest for some time. So. First of all, let's just kind of cut right to it. Ran, you founded Breezometer. Why? What were what were you thinking? What what really stimulated you to do this? Great. So thank you again for inviting us. It's a great pleasure to be here. So Breezometer was founded with the big audacious goal to help improve the health and quality of life of billions of people who might be exposed to environmental hazards. The idea for mapping environmental hazards started back in 2012. My wife and I were looking to buy a house in the north of Israel, and my wife is asthmatic, and at that time she was pregnant with the first child. As an environmental engineer, I knew that air pollution is the leading environmental cause for many diseases and also for premature birth among asthmatic pregnant women. So, uh, I wanted to protect her. So when we looked for the perfect house, you know, to buy uh, with the perfect neighbors, we also looked for air quality information that could tell us where is the best, the cleanest location to buy our first house. And we did find some information, but the data was so scattered, so incomprehensible, and not for address at all. So even for an environmental engineer like myself, I couldn't really use this information. So therefore, together with Brusometer co-founder Emil Fischer, who is also my best friend for more than 25 years, and he's a talented software engineer, uh, we developed an algorithm that can help that helped me choose the healthiest place to live. We soon realized that actually millions of people in many countries don't have a clue about what they read. And you know, we also understood that it's actually a global problem. It's not only in Israel, it's also in the US and of course in China and India. Therefore, together we co-founded Brizometer and set up a team of experts in the field of atmospheric science. For example, our chief scientist came from NOAA. 
environmental engineers like myself that are collaborating together with experts in the field of machine learning, big data, and AI. And by combining those skills and technologies, we provide the most accurate forecast and health insights on how environmental hazards such as air pollution, fires, and pollen might risk people's health. And, you know, moving forward to 2021, every day, more than 400 million people use our platform to make informed decisions on how to avoid those environmental hazards. And our solution is being used by leading brands such as AstraZeneca, Dyson, Bosch, L'Oreal, and others. And I want to make sure I, I, I like the way you said your company's name and you obviously know how to say it. So I'm going to go with Brizometer as well, because I think I said Brizometer earlier. Um, yeah, you I want to give people a little bit of your background. Uh, you have uh, you have a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Health Engineering uh, from the Israel Institute of Technology and a Master of Science in Environmental Health Engineering as well from the same institution. You also um, have been an environmental engineer. Uh, and CEO and co-founder of Brizometer uh, since November 2013. And so Paul Walsh is joining us. He's a veteran of the Weather Geeks show. For those of you that have been with us for the Weather Geeks TV and now the podcast iteration, you may recognize the name Paul Walsh because he actually was someone that was very much on the Weather Channel quite often. And Paul, you now have a new role. Explain your role with the company. I do. And uh, this is great. Marshall, I just tweeted out a picture of us from like six years ago from being on TV. So it's kind of a old home week. Um, well, you know, at the at the at the the Weather Channel Weather Company, we were acquired by IBM about five years ago. And and in that and after we were acquired, I worked on the, the the consulting side of IBM. So basically, working with large corporations around the world to integrate environmental information into their into their enterprise systems. We call them so supply chain systems and demand chain systems because where you really need to sort of get value from data is to basically to transform that data using analytics to create a, uh, an understanding of how the, the external environment is impacting people and then use those insights and then to integrate into systems. And that's how you get to scale. Um, I had gotten to the point where I we basically had completed what we we're gonna be doing, completed our mission. And I was looking to see what I wanted to do next. And I was um, uh, the folks from Brazometer reached out to me and when they described what they were doing, um, you know, working to create uh, data that was going to help billions of people around the world, it aligned perfectly with where I wanted to go next. Because what I wanted to do next in my career was work uh, doing was doing things that are important, doing things that are important that are leveraging the sort of the skill set I've got, and working with people that I like and respect. And it just overlap over overlaid perfectly with where I wanted to go. And of course, I met with Rand and went with the team. And um, it was uh, sort of like love at first sight. He, he had me at hello. <laughs> and so, so what what the, what the um, what I've been brought on to do is basically help sort of develop the business in the US. Um, it's obviously a growing business. We're growing really, really fast. A really, really important topic. You know, we're speaking today on uh, July 21st. And in New York City yesterday, maybe even today, it was the worst air quality. And I know I saw something on Twitter. It was like 15, in at least 15 years. Not that it's true because it was on Twitter, but that's where I saw it. <laughs> um, so it is a very, very topical, very important um, 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 integration or, 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 or way to use atmospheric data. So it was perfect. So that's what I'm doing. Um, I've been on board, I guess, about a month and a half now. And um, yeah. it's it's awesome. 
And thank you, Paul. And I want to make sure I, I, I misread something in turn when I was talking about Rand's credentials here. I, I, I graduated him to master. I, I know he was in master's program, but uh, I, I misread that there. So I want to full disclosure, make sure we're not misrepresenting. But hey, it doesn't matter. He started a company. He's got a master's degree in starting companies, as far as I'm concerned. So got uh, we're PhD. talking about- yeah. So, uh, you know, just a, a classic example there. So, um, you know, what does this say, Rand, <clears throat> as you were thinking about these things, what does it say about where we are with air quality forecasting and data availability that you felt the need to do this? I mean, I again, as, as Paul just mentioned, I mean, with the wildfires we're seeing and just air quality issues in general, um, where are we from your perspective in terms of perhaps NOAA or other global forecast organizations in forecasting air quality? Where are Because I know in this country, I think the EPA has a significant role in that regard with their air now and some of the other things that they put out. And we've got the National Ambient Air Quality Standards and Clean Air Act and so forth. But where are we in operational forecasting and where, where does your company fit? Yeah. So that's a great question. So first of all, you know, it's important also to emphasize that every day people are more aware and more concerned about the air they breathe. Obviously, because of COVID, people are even more concerned about the air they breathe and how much it's important to make sure that their lungs are protected. And, you know, if you look on just Google Trends to see some statistics, you see that over the past three years, the news coverage around air quality and other environmental hazards like pollen and fires have changed drastically. Today, more than ever, those stories are all over the news and Paul shared a few. And this challenge is, is bigger since although people are more concerned and more aware, still there is a huge information gap because there are no tradition, traditional solutions to monitor those breathing hazards everywhere. According to the US EPA, about 120 million Americans lives in areas that have no EPA air pollution monitors at all. Think about that. And Another challenge with air pollution is that it's even more dynamic sometimes than weather because it's been impacted by weather and at the same time, it's also been impacted by us, human activity, traffic jam, lockdown, you know, NBA playoffs, all of (laughs) those activities can impact air pollution. So in order to solve this challenge, what we have developed at Brizometer is those sophisticated AI and machine learning algorithms that crunch thousands of different data sources and for millions of observations, taking into account the traditional solution, the traditional data at hand, for example, the air quality monitoring stations or low cost sensors by private companies. But at the same time, we are also taking into account people reports on fires. Every time somebody sees smoke in in California, for example, and you call 911, we have access to this data and we use this data to try to forecast how those wildfires will impact air pollution nearby. We are also taking into account traffic data collected from tens of millions of connected, connected cars and other data sources. And we all know that traffic impact air pollution. So we have developed those unique algorithms that can take that into account and allow us to calculate and forecast the impact of those traffic jams on pollution and therefore to forecast how the ambient air pollution in nearby cities will be impacted as well. 
And what we are also doing at Brizometer, we come from a very humble beginning. We understand that it's very hard to forecast air pollution very hyper-locally and at the same time being very accurate and also provide this global information. So we started with one algorithm and developed another algorithm and another algorithm for different pollutants in different locations, the different occasions, for example, during wildfires, beyond wildfires. And so far we have developed over 40 different algorithms and models that allow us to provide the most accurate air quality information in those different locations and different uh, uh, unique occasions as well. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with Rand Korber and Paul Walsh from a new company called Brizometer. Well, not new. They've been around a little bit, but it may be new to you. And so we're talking about the things that they are doing in the world of air quality. And you, I just heard a conversation, I had a conversation with Rand. He was talking about sort of the AI-based algorithms and models that they're using to improve predictability and forecasting of air quality. Paul, I mean, you, you, you've been here and you know the, the weather world in the States and NOAA and EPA and others. Uh, so you know that they have these sort of deterministic forecast models. Uh, they solve these Navier-Stokes equations, these fluid dynamics equations to predict the atmosphere's change five, seven, even 10, 14 days out. Uh, we also assimilate satellite data. I, I come from NASA and so I'm very much a satellite focused person. And some of those data sets can measure things like air quality or, or mm -hmm. sense them. Yeah. Um, uh, is, is the business, I know you're talking about the business development side of the company. Um, who, who is the customer? I mean, is, is it the weather service and NOAA? Is it other private stakeholders? Is it all of the above? What's your perspective on that? I, it's, it's all of the above. You know, one of, one of our customers is L'Oreal, and they're using the data to assess the impact of air quality on, on skin so that they can adjust and provide insights to, um, to women mostly in terms of what kind of makeup they should be using because the air quality has a specific impact on, on you know, their, their, their skin quality. Um, of course, you know, we, air quality, you know, I think we talked about the fact that it's on the, on the iPhone. So, you know, most of the sort of the weather company, the weather data providers provide air quality. Um, um, many of those companies that use our data um, as well. Um, but then there's also the, the ability to take the data from a historical perspective and uh, analyze it against things like, um, you know, allergy and, and, look, at, and, and look at it and, and sort of correlate the, the air quality data from Brazometer, which by the way is, is what we call enterprise scale. In other words, what, what has been built out is the ability to look at air quality at a very granular level, both geographically, but also from a time perspective. So you can look back at, you know, five years worth of historical data normalized. Um, and by normalized, I mean, um, we've created a, a product called the Brazometer Air Quality Index, which is global. So every country basically specifically measures the air quality in a different way. 
So we've got a global set that is an apples to apples, whether you're looking at air quality in, in Beijing or you're looking at it in New York. So with a, with a data set that's clean, that goes back four or five years, you can then sort of correlate that against, say, I'm sorry, my dog is coming over here. You can, <laughs> Hello, well, you've got weather geeks in the canine world too. We love it. Yeah, that's right. So that, then the data becomes very, very useful to be able to understanding how is air quality affecting consumers and how can we use that information to better anticipate how expectations of air quality are going to affect what our consumers are going to be wanting and needing or patients. So there's also uh, uses from both pharmaceutical companies, but also large hospitals to be able to anticipate how is the air quality in New York tomorrow going to impact our intake in the emergency room around people that are having exacerbations of COPD, for example. So it's, it's extremely useful information, extremely useful information, both for commercial businesses, but also for governments. Uh, to be able to understand you know, all those kind of things and you know, emergency management centers and, and, and uh, firefighting organizations, et cetera. Yeah, and I want to kind of put on my meteorologist hat here uh, as in addition to my weather geek hat and come back to Rand because I'm really interested in how you get down at the spatial resolutions that you have and, for your model because that's always a challenge with our, our forecasting and our models, the resolution and, and resolving at scales that are usable for people to make decisions in their homes or in their businesses. And I'm also interested in how far out your forecast. Are you making one day forecast, 24 hour, 48 hour? 10 day, so forth. So Ren, how would you respond on those? Yeah, so, you know, like most answers by engineers, it's always a complex answer. So it's, it's really <laughs> different. You know? Hey, it's weather geeks. We love complex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we at Brizometer are currently forecasting about 35 different pollutants, which include air pollution pollutants, for example, nitro dioxide, sulfur dioxide, particulate matter, and also pollen types, which although natural, just like PM10 from, you know, sandstorms, are still uh, can, you know, impact people's health. And for those different pollutants, we have different forecasting capabilities. So for example, for pollen, we provide a daily forecast for the next three days, which is highly accurate. And we also have seasonality forecast, you know, when the next pollen season will start, which have low uh, accuracy compared to the daily forecast for the next three days. For air pollution, since air pollution is so dynamic and can change completely from one minute to the other, one hour to the other, it's also very hyperlocal. It can be completely different between one street to another because of traffic jams, because of power plant emissions, because of human activity, because of wildfires, unfortunately. Uh, so we take a more hyperlocal approach in both time and space. Uh, our forecast is, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, uh, space is for every five meter, every 16 feet, and it's hourly forecast, and for some pollutants, every, even minute by minute forecast, and it's for the next. So it, then it's depend on accuracy, obviously, and we are at Brizometer obsessed about accuracy, literally. So, you know, for the first six hours, it's super accurate. Afterwards, the accuracy is being reduced a bit for the additional six uh, hours. And we also have a, a forecast basically for the next 96 hours, but after 12 hours, we know and we are you know, disclosing that with our customers that the accuracy uh, confidence will 
go lower. And just to share how much we are obsessed and also transparent about the accuracy, uh, we provide accuracy results for different pollutants using different statistical methods live on our website. So instead of just asking us how much you are accurate, everybody can go to our website, see the accuracy results for different pollutants in different cities according to the different hours and, you know, have a look on that. Oh, that, that's that's actually, I mean, I, my ears perked up when, because one of the big challenges in weather and climate forecasting is the discussion about uncertainty and the accuracy. And so, you know, I often tell people when they, for example, bring up climate change, well, yeah, well there's uncertainty in the models and climate models. I'm like, sure there is, but there's a lot of useful information as well. So even though we say there's an 80% chance of rain, there's uncertainty in information, you're still going to grab an umbrella. And so I, I think explicit um, presentation of uncertainty uh, and accuracy is needed in all realms of uh, geophysical or earth sciences forecasting. So I, I really commend that approach. Um, Paul, question for you. And again, Rand, you can chime in on this too, but I'll start with Paul. Uh, as this industry emerges, as, I mean, I, I'm seeing a growth in sort of private sector engaging in air quality, weather, and so forth. Paul, what is your perspective on the role of the private sector in what has traditionally been a federal or government arena, at least in this country? I think the private sector augments the, the government sector. In other words, we're, we basically sit on top of the foundation of data that we're getting provided by the by the government. So. You know, um, we use data from NASA. We use data from NOAA. We use data from the ECMWF. So all of those, all of those, all of those organizations are providing this really amazing um, sort of raw raw material from which to then create something that is useful and that is tailored to our specific users. Now, our, in our in our case, our specific users are first and foremost consumers, because you know our overall mission is to help billions of people, you know, stay safe. But but um, deeper than that, it's really help taking that same information to private companies to be able to create the kind of things like I just mentioned with L'Oreal. We do some really cool work with Dyson where they do outdoor, in, outdoor measurements and indoor measurements and sort of calibrate their indoor air quality um, uh, equipment with that. And so it's a, it's a really great sort of synergy between the two. And you're, you're absolutely right in terms of the growth of this, of this space. There is millions and millions of dollars of, of venture capital funding going into new new companies that are in this space, and you know I've been talking about this this topic for 20 years ever since I left the Air Force, and I've never seen uh, this level of interest and this level of opportunity. Speaking of weather geeks, for weather geeks, and then <laughs> right. and for the weather geeks, by, by the way, that might be listening here, my, my advice to to the weather geeks out there, um, maybe maybe even your students at the University of Georgia, is that you need to brand yourself as a data scientist first, because that's what you are, and a meteorologist second. A lot of us that are sort of in the meteorology field, we all like to lead with, I'm a meteorologist uh, and also a data scientist. But the fact is that, and and I'm sort of getting a little bit far afield here, but just for the weather geeks. No, I I love that because I know we have a lot of students that listen to the podcast and I think that's excellent advice. I, you know, I came from a traditional meteorology department at Florida state, but my program at Georgia, we very much think that way. One of my former student graduate students is a data scientist at NASA Goddard space flight center right now. Shout out to Benita, Dr. Benita Casey, by the way. Um, And, you know, she, uh, we train our students, we kind of cross train them, if you will. If you think about cross trainer shoes, 
these. Um, yeah, they know the weather and climate, but they certainly know GIS and Python and data algorithms. And uh, just had a student uh, who developed a, uh, uh, an AI or machine learning algorithm for landfalling hurricanes and, and whether they may intensify over land or maintain their intensity. So that that's actually Excellent advice. I want to come back to Rand because this question just popped into my mind. Is there any backstory to the name of the company or is it just, uh, it's somewhat of a unique name. I'm just curious why Resometer? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, although our first product to market was forecasting air quality, by the way, the first product just showed air quality information in Israel. <laughs> and obviously then we expanded it. From, from day one, you know, me and Emil thought, okay, so if we are leaving our day job, which we really liked and really felt proud of, you know, both of us worked at our dream job. And at the time of founding the company, both of us, both of us had, you know, small children and a mortgage and, and, and a family to support. So that's a big risk. So if we are, you know, taking that big risk, we should do it for the biggest mission ever. And the biggest mission is to help people, you know, improve their health and, 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 and quality of life. Uh, taking into account environmental hazards and all the environmental hazards. The company that we thought of as an inspiration is Google. Just like Google decided that the World Wide Web will be democratized, we want environmental hazards data to be democratized. And therefore, we decided that our mission will be to forecast all the environmental hazards. We started with air quality and air pollution because air pollution is the leading cause for premature birth among all the other environmental hazards, according to a recent study by Harvard. It's the cause of death of almost 9 million people every year think about that think about how much trouble covid have done with less you know and and still doing and it's that number by the way is increasing when we founded the company the number was 1.7 million people that are dying every year because of air pollution now it's 9 million people but our mission and vision is much bigger than that. We expanded to forecast pollen in 2018. Recently, we started providing alerts about wildfires and, and huge fires. We are also providing some weather forecast and how it impacts people's health. And the grand vision of the company is to forecast earthquakes and provide data about water contamination and all the other environmental hazards that might impact people's health, radiation, all those stories that occasionally you hear in, in the news. So we thought, we thought about a, a name that can be more you know, symbolic and, and, and out of all the names, Brizometer came into mind. Uh, and that's the name that we will currently use. We don't plan to change it. <laughs> CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. And I'm speaking with Rand Corber and Paul Walsh from Presometer about their exciting new company and sort of this sort of transition era, at least I've been around for a while now and sort of seeing this real 
strong transition into uh, different arenas of private sector engagement in earth system forecasting and observation. Uh, you know, we've had uh, your colleagues formerly from uh, Climacell, now tomorrow.io on, and they're doing some very innovative things as well. Um, you, you went into an area, Rand, that I was actually going to ask about. I, I, I was going to ask you and sort of is the vision beyond sort of air quality? And you sort of told me that it was. So I'm going to go to your uh, the colleague, Paul Walsh, who I know has been brought on to really sort of explode the business side of the science side. And Paul's the perfect person to do that from his background, given his background. And you've heard a little bit of it today. Paul, where do you go next? I mean, what, what what's sort of the sort of your I guess a year one to year five goal? Yeah, it's is really to you know number one is to make sure that everybody in the U.S. because I'm focused in the U.S. knows what knows brazometer knows how to say it knows what we do um, because the you know as Rand mentioned we're already reaching 400 million people around the world um, and that's only going to be going up. And so you're going to be hearing a lot more about uh, about brazometer, but more importantly about the the topic of air quality, uh, about the fact that it's an it's an invisible killer that we don't really even think about. I didn't really think about it that much before I joined the company, and so the uh, the awareness um, getting and uh, and we're you know obviously continuing to grow the business. We're continuing to uh, create new partnerships, and you're, you're going to see a, a drumbeat of different sort of announcements coming out over the next few months around some really cool and exciting things that I probably can't can't say right now, but there's just this, this massive sort of push and momentum that that has been driven. And, and you know, hats off to, to Rand and ML and team that just done an amazing job. And also, you know, Marshall, I've been, you're right, I've been in this space for, for a long time. I've been in startups before. Um, and what, what Rand and ML have done a really, really good job of is being very thoughtful and systematic around the way that they're building their business. So the business started in a very sort of focused and smart way, looking at a mission of improving the, the health and well-being of billions of people around the world, but not, but but starting small, starting in Israel, starting with air quality, and have been sequentially building the business. So I'm very fortunate to be joining the business when it is like on a hockey stick, and so my my goal is to sort of increase the you know, the, the velocity and the slope <laughs> of that hockey stick, and it's really pretty easy to do, and and. Again, my experience before in startups was that we tried to do too much, too fast, and we're not focused enough. So what Brazometer has done a really good job of is focusing on a very specific problem and building on that. And it's a very specific, very big problem. I'm curious, Ran, if you if I gave you a magic wand or unlimited funding, and I'm sure <laughs> take the latter point over the magic wand, you know, to really make your product or what you're trying to do the best it can be. I mean, again, just let's just be visionaries for a second. What is missing? What do you need uh, to improve your algorithms or your models most? Is it higher density data, more frequently observed data, uh, some kind of measurement we don't have yet? What, what would you say there? Yeah. So, so, you know, that's, that's a great question. So first of all, we are very lucky and fortunate to live in times in which you almost have unlimited capital. What you don't, what still is limited is time, obviously. <laughs> so even, you know, we'd, we just recently raised our series C of $30 million and the, the team is growing very fast, but 
time is of essence. So I think when it comes to all those environmental hazards, and this is the next step in brosometer evolution, when it comes to all those environmental hazards and specifically air quality and pollen, personalization is key because those different pollutants that I mentioned, natural dioxide, sulfur, sulfur dioxide, particulate matter affect different people differently. So for example, think about two or three people at the same location at the same time. Three of them are breathing the same air for the same amount of time, but those three will have different symptoms. A pregnant woman might have some symptoms related to her pregnancy. Elderly or somebody else might have a skin irritation. The other one might have asthma attack, and maybe there will be a person that will do outdoor activity and not feel anything. So at Brizometer, the next evolution, we want to take into account the people's sensitivities and our ability to forecast over 35 different pollutants help us to power our insight engine, which currently provide over 200 timely and personalized health insight on how what we, is the potential health effects, the potential symptoms for different profile, different people at different times. Obviously, this is just the beginning because there are many diseases and there is almost endless research that shows correlation between almost every disease, you know, from asthma to COPD and even obesity and how it's correlated with the air we breathe. So this is the next evolution of the company. Yeah, and I, you know, I want to say there are certainly certain groups within our society that are particularly vulnerable. I, I happen to be in a racial group that's particularly vulnerable to air quality and upper respiratory issues. And so, um, you know, though we're all impacted, uh, and there are certainly some groups that have uh, even more of an impact studies have shown. And so I really appreciate that. Where can you find out if you're a Weather Geeks listener and you want to go to your website or your social media sites, give us the coordinates on those, either of you. Yeah. So uh, obviously, although we have an enterprise solution, we also have a free service for everyone. Uh, we believe that, you know, data about what you're breathing should be free and available for everyone. So you can check out uh, www.brizometer.com. However you pronounce it, you will find it. And we also have a, a, a mobile app that you can download either on Google or App Store. The best way to check our data is if you have an iPhone, just go to the Apple Weather app or even ask Apple Siri, what is the air quality in different locations around the world, whether New York, Boston, London, Paris, and other locations. And the air quality data you will receive is by Brizometer. And if you leak, if you click on the link, you will get more information on our website. And Paul, I also know you're out there in social media. What are your coordinates? Um, my coordinate, oh, like I am at uh, my my Twitter handle is at Paul E. Walsh, P-A-U-L-E-W-A-L-S-H. And I have been tweeting a lot of stuff from, from the exact site that Rand said because of where we are right now. One of the things that I think is really cool about that uh, is the fact that you can zoom down and get to a hyper-local highly accurate view. And one of the things that I was looking at yesterday was the air quality at the Statue of Liberty. And it was, it was hazardous. It was just, I mean, it was just, and I'm still new enough that I'm, I'm, that I geek out when I do that. <laughs> we, really we love the term. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and anybody that's listening to this can get the same data. It's, 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 it's out there and, and we, you know, we want people to use it for you know, the exactly the same reason that, that Rand just mentioned. Well, that's where I have to end. 
really appreciate you all coming on the show. Before I do, Paul will know what's coming up next because he is familiar with the show. It's time for our Geek of the Week. We like to highlight a scientist, superstar, great geologist, or a weather weenie at the end of every podcast. This episode's Geek of the Week is Kenny Blumenfeld. Kenny serves as the climatologist for the state of Minnesota. He not only has a passion for weather, but also weather history. He created a documentary movie on um, Minnesota's winters called The Story of Winter in 2017. And in his spare time, Kenny loves to visit amusement parks and take on unique unique projects to learn about them and how they are different. Uh, If you want to follow Kenny's work, check him out on Twitter at Kenny Blumenfeld. And if you know someone that should be a geek of the week on a future episode, be sure to check out our social media pages. Thank you both so much for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast today. Thank you, Marshall. Thank you. And yeah, yeah, definitely check out their product and all the platforms. And we will bring new and exciting information about the world of weather science and Earth system to you every week on Weather Geeks. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.